This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another week. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz are with you. Game number four on the horizon Saturday afternoon. Well, afternoon our time, actually 11 a.m. Lincoln time there in Nebraska. Penn State hitting the road, seeking to avoid its first 0-4 start since 2001. That was actually their only 0-4 start for a program that's in year number 134. So something to avoid, something to work toward, and we got a lot to work through on this episode because coming out of James Franklin's press conference today, as we usually do on a Tuesday afternoon, there is a lot more than just looking back at Maryland and looking ahead in Nebraska. We're going to explain that in just a moment. But first off, Sean, looking back to Maryland, we're not going to spend much time on this, uh, a game that Penn State faced 21 nothing, 35-7. Uh, was not as close as the look. We spent 45 minutes delivering an autopsy of, of a really, you know, overall pathetic performance for Penn State on Saturday night. So folks can go listen to the postgame pod if they want to dive into that more. Uh, did you want to add anything? No, not particularly. It was, uh, it was as bad as you think it was. It was, uh, you know, obviously everything looks a little bit better on the tape the second time you go through. But honestly, like considering the circumstances, considering the opponent and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it didn't get any better the second time around. And there's a lot of holes in this team. And, um, it's just, it, it's really unfortunate to watch where, you know, especially I think the most frustrating thing is you see spots that were pretty solid last year. They weren't, I mean, they won 11 games last year. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. And, and obviously that was not a perfect team or anything like that. But just not even close to what it was last year. Even, I mean, we talked, we have been banging on Sean Clifford for three weeks now. And, you know, you could make an argument. He was at least average last year. And, and that this year, I mean, it's just a, another step back. And you just see that all over the place. And I think when, when, it, when you have quarterback play like that, and, and we're going to talk about what James Franklin had to say about the quarterbacks here in a little bit. But when you have quarterback play that's, that's affecting everything else, I mean, it even seems to be dragging on the defense. I mean, there's just no way around like that being the crux of the issue here. And I think there's more at play there in terms of, you know, effort, in terms of confidence, especially. And that's just, uh, that's really rough to see, especially considering how, I don't want to say smooth, but how consistent this team has been over the last couple of years, um, you know, since they hit that, took off on that rocket in 2016, uh, you know, you really haven't seen that kind of, I mean, like the definition of adversity was going to the Citrus Bowl and losing to Kentucky. So to, 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 to take that at one spot and compare it to losing at home to Maryland, that's, that's a rough one to swallow. So I believe we're going to go with what Pat Frymuth suggested after the Indiana game, was it? And we're just going to flush this one. We're not even going to uh, go through the, the specifics. We're just going to flush it, leave it in the past. If you're listening, you're trying not to hear about the Maryland game. And I think we're going to, we're going to give the people what they want right now. 
Flush It has routinely been the tagline of the Lions 24-7 podcast since October 24th. And um, right now, Penn State, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been a long three weeks. Perspective, perspective has shifted in such a dramatic way, going from number eight in the nation to, to 0-3 here and 2-5 and in the last seven conference matchups get, dating back to last November. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the Nebraska game on, on the second episode of this week. That's a program that's not playing well at all. And, and, and you know, they had a, a bit of a clunker uh, offensively against North Northwestern. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Adrian Martinez has done a lot for them. Uh, they got the third McCaffrey brother to hit Power 5 college football. They're also taking a look at him at quarterback this week. And Scott Frost said on Monday, they're going to evaluate it over the course of the week to determine who's going to be their starter. I think, like James Franklin said Tuesday, expect to see two Nebraska quarterbacks. And we'll get to that in a moment. Maybe you should expect to see two Penn State quarterbacks on the field uh, on Saturday as well. But uh, Sean, th- this is a program, as you said, the the adversity was a nine-win season with one possession losses to Ohio State, Michigan State, and Kentucky, where you end up in the Citrus Bowl. Aside from that, three out of the last four years, it's been 11 wins. It's been uh, being chatted about in the Big Ten title chase and, and in the college football playoff doorstep. And here we are before we can even kind of gain footing in this season. And, and all that's gone awry. Um, and, you know, you, you wonder where the psyche of this team is. Uh, 2020 is a different year for everybody. And how are they handling it? James Franklin pulled back the curtain in a big way on Tuesday afternoon, uh, really just kind of confirming what some sentiment was that it's very difficult for him to be removed from his family right now, his wife, uh, his children, uh, they're down south. That's about as specific as he got with that. Um, but they've been away from him since you know football was back on. And, yeah. and that's going on and it's going on and, and you could kind of hear the defeatism in his voice when he said this is for the foreseeable future until A, there's a reliable vaccine that, that alleviates our concerns or B, there's a period where James Franklin isn't interacting with such a high volume of people on a daily basis. And if you're a power five college football coach, when is that going to happen? It's certainly not going to happen over the course of the next six weeks with six games ahead. I mean, you're talking about normally you'd be recruiting. That I mean, that's not happening right now. But there's a lot of concern right there. Um, we we talked about this w- with his daughter having an underlying issue. Um, and you just you know, there's not a lot of times where you get that kind of honesty. And people still found a way to poke holes. They're going to say there, there's excuses there. And Franklin kind of said, "I'm trying not trying to make excuses. I'm trying to be honest with you." Something tells me that he had this conversation in a, in a very different way with his players and with the staff, maybe within the last 48 hours, because he comes into these press conferences prepared with what he's going to say. It's not a post game where, where there might be some emotions involved. He's got some time to kind of calculate, come together with what he wants to bring to the table and how he wants to respond. The first thing that he gets hammering home is he wants to lead with love with his players rather than clearly throwing anybody under the bus in front of us at the media uh, gathering. But also he, he said, I'm hurting guys. Uh, and he, and, and actually one time reverse course, Normal exchange of pleasantries with Nate Bauer. How you doing? I'm good. And they said, you know what? Hold on. Before I get in this question, I'm not good. He said, I- I'm not being honest by saying I'm It was as candid as I've ever seen James Franklin in a public forum. And it, it was basically the-, the-, the writing on the wall that this is not a normal Penn State season. And this is not the normal coach, a guy who you, you got to be the face of the franchise if you're a college football coach making the kind of money he's making. You're supposed to be the, the stable force, uh, the guy who, who takes the shots and, and, and keeps on moving. And he says, without that family here with him to balance things out and the way he said fuel him, um, it sounds like a guy who is kind of lost right now. 
It does. It does. And, I, you know, you kind of hear it in his voice and you kind of heard that for a little bit. And, and obviously losing makes everything a lot worse. And and trying to sort of dissect or bring in the human element to college football is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, we obviously write stories all the time about these things. And, you you know, you had a great story yesterday about Juice Scruggs getting back on and the perspective that came with that. But this is just a whole nother level. And then when you pile up three losses back to back to back on top of it, with, you know, you don't even have a buffer of a non-conference win to, to lean on or anything like that. It's going to be very tough for, for fans to accept what's going on. And like you said, like we talk about with, with recruiting, I mean, there's reasons and there's excuses and there's, you know, I guess towing that fine line between them. And, you know, you, you can see it and, and really, you, you know, you kind of felt bad for him when, you know, he had that exchange with Nate has just kind of doubled back on things. I'm not good. And that's a huge, you know, red flag right there to say you're not good, to admit you're not good, especially, you know, with as little as we pay attention to, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, mental health and everything like that, just because he's making $6 million doesn't mean that he's not that guy. So I think that's been sort of tough. And, and I hope that that is something he brought up with his team because I mean, you, you're looking for, you know, let's be honest. He, he knows, kind of knows what he's doing. He's there's, there's sympathy that's going to be there. There's a lot that's not going to be there, but there is more sympathy, but you also get, more out of your players when you give them the whole story. And I think that's really what he's going for in this situation is to get him uh, or to get them maybe closer to where they need to be. Uh, I, I don't know how much that's going to happen in a week, um, but the more open you're with people, the, the better off you are. So I think that's probably going in that direction. Um, you know, we saw a tip of the iceberg with Jahan Dotson the other night talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, the fragmented, team and where they're at. You don't typically see that from Penn State players because they're so well coached at what they do in terms of with the media. But I think you're starting to see some chips falling in that direction. And, you know, could it signal a complete implosion? Certainly, but it also could be the next step to getting where they actually need to go and back on the right track. Uh, Franklin, um, uh, yeah, for us to talk about it is one thing. I, we wanted to play a quick clip to kind of reiterate what we heard from him today and, and just kind of express how different this was than standard operating procedure at these Penn State press conferences. And there, there's always this fine line when I'm responding to you guys, uh, again, from what I said earlier. I just, I don't want it to be misinterpreted what, what I'm saying, but, uh, there's been a lot of factors in, in 2020, a lot of factors. Um, and if, if you, if you, if you're not careful, then a lot of those factors can, can become distractions. And I think we have done a, a really good job of handling a lot of the things away from football, but there was a lot of time and energy spent on, on those things. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that I have not done a great job of handling personally, um, that, that, you know, I, I have to be honest with myself and honest with the team and honest with you guys. I have not done a great job of managing my family being gone. I have not. Um, they're my fuel. I go home. Um, you know, they're able to pour into me and I've not, I've not done a great job of that. Again, at the end of the day, I have to, I have to manage those things. I got to come to work. I got to do a great job. Um, I think there's some things that we've done a really good job of. But at the end of the day, this press conference and this meeting um, and these questions are about football. And right now we have not played winning football. And I know that people are going to say, well, this is about uh, image. This is James Franklin trying to justify a, a rough start for Penn State or a lack of preparation that's not there. 
you can say that, and that's going to be tied into it. But I, I think if, if anyone has dealt with with dark moments in their life for whatever reason, I think we've all been brushed by it, whether it's personally or people we love. Sometimes a big part of that process of digging yourself out of the hole is shedding the mask and, and being open about it. And he didn't have to do that in front of a uh, in front of the media and AKA in front of the entire fan base and in front of the entire country. He could have kept that internal between him and his family and and his football family, everyone inside that building. But anyone who's out there saying uh, he's making six million dollars, suck it up. You're clearly haven't paid attention because there are a lot of famous people out there, celebrities who have found their way into tragedy because of, of, of mental issues and paychecks don't equate to, to eternal happiness. For people to, to chalk it up as James Franklin, look, you, you make all this money, the head coach of Penn State, we don't want to hear you complain. Well, I, I think you're also forgetting that there's a human element to this because guess what? He is a human. Again, it was stunning in some ways because James Franklin is is always very cautious to stay on message, to, to keep keep that message going in the way he wants it and uh, the players have done a good job of that this week through the early phone calls and this was just a major diversion from from what we typically are accustomed to hearing and, and consuming uh, particularly in a moment of uh, of adversity for the program while also acknowledging that there's issues that need corrected and I think that's a big thing that yeah. you know the football side of this that you're going to take out and there was a lot of football talk today the, I want to you know there actually was a lot of good football talk and you were the one uh, you asked about quarterbacks and that's something you you asked about and were kind of brushed to the side after the game the other night. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you asked about Levis, Roberson, how things are going to get involved because Sean just hasn't been it. You know, that's this, you just keep going back to can you pinpoint what's going wrong? Well, there's a lot going wrong. So it's tough to say, but you've got three games worth of tape that says that things are not going in the right direction under Sean Clifford. You asked about Will Levis. James Franklin acknowledged that he needs to get Will Levis involved. Does that mean series? Does that mean situationally? Does that, you know, he's not going to get into that kind of stuff. Um, but he did ignore, acknowledge that, excuse me. And then he also probably gave the best review of Taquan Roberson we've heard since he's been here. So he's had a really good last month of camp, um, has, or excuse me, of practice, has taken it upon himself in the scrimmages and looked pretty good. So, I don't know. I, I I didn't really see him inching toward yanking Sean or changing that leash or whatever. And personally, I think, you know, that's probably could be necessary or could be useful in this situation. But at the same time, to acknowledge those guys, to acknowledge that, yeah, maybe I do need to give these guys a look is at least a step in that direction. He also acknowledged that probably should have given Will Levis a look in that last game. It sounds like he's very cautious about, you know, giving a guy the hook, even if he's a starting quarterback next week, giving him the hook in the game. He, he he sounds like he's worried about what that can do to a player's confidence and momentum. And I know people are saying, hey, like, like we need to, the Penn State needs to make a change if they want to see progress on the field. And, and I understand that. And James Franklin, though, actually brought up as a former quarterback saying what that can do to your psyche a little bit. And I think people have probably noticed over the years that he does give his starting quarterbacks a long leash. He, he, he lets them play through uh, situations where you'd, you'd see a player get yanked by other coaching staffs. And the thing he pointed out here was we're not just going to see Will Levis like this week. It's something that they think game the game. He has earned an opportunity to play. 
Um, and, and you're right. Taquan Roberson apparently during these Sunday practices has been getting a ton of reps and doing good things with them. We, we don't know what that looks like. That's why I asked the question, Sean. I mean, we're three games in. It's a new offensive coordinator. We have no idea what these quarterbacks look like. So I said, do you we, have we confidence? We going to Wednesday practices, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, do you have any confidence that, that Will Levis, Taquan Roberson can go win Big Ten football games as your quarterback if they need to? And, uh, and, you got to know how to ask some questions here. You have to have some finesse. You can't just say, when are you going to take Sean Clifford out and why is Will Levis better because I'm saying he's better? You can't ask questions that way. I know people on the message board sometimes want us to. You can't. You're not going to get an answer and you're going to get shot down on that. So, you know, you learn a little bit more about Will Levis, their plan there. You learn a little bit more about Tocon Roberson. And also something Franklin referenced is a lot of hits going in the direction of Sean Clifford. I wasn't just asking that about performance-related you don't know when Sean Clifford is not going to get up from one of those hits or he's going to need to go back to the locker room. And all of a sudden you're in a situation where, well, uh, Will Levis and Taquan Roberson haven't thrown a single pass in any kind of live game action under our current offensive coordinator. Now I guess we got to find out what we have because we have to. Yeah. And and given this season, I mean, you're 0-3. It's essentially a throwaway season anyway. It's, uh, you know, I, I think it's necessary to get that out there now. The best uh, – time to do that probably was supposed to be last weekend when you thought you were going to blow out Maryland. Um, but uh, going on the road to Nebraska, we'll see how that goes. I, you know, it's just, there's so many variables here about getting quarterbacks in. And the the thing he said that I'm, you know, not a huge fan of is about how he earned it and how, you know, will, if he's the guy that is going to want the same kind of treatment. And I think back to even Tommy Stevens with, uh, with Clifford there. I mean, it's just a, such a delicate line to walk and loyalty is is big, obviously. It's big to James Franklin. But at the same time, when you just continually see the same thing over and over again, especially when in this case you're not running the football and Will Levis can give you something uh, as, a, as a different style of runner. I know Sean Clifford's, what, is he Penn State's leading rusher right now, I think, or, you know, close to it? Um, he's, he he's, is. Yeah, then, uh, you know, he's obviously running the ball. But at the same time, I think you get a little bit of different threat with Will Levis. So I don't know. You just after three games, three losses, uh, you know, I would say one bad loss, one expected loss and one loss that shouldn't have been doesn't matter. They're all three losses. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're at the point in the season when you, you know, you kind of owe it to yourself to see what you've got in this roster, because as we've mentioned before, that next off season, I mean, you've got uh, the opportunity to, 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 to get your club better with a quarterback. They're going to fi- have to find out if you're going to be the, the guy that takes it. That wait your turn kind of precedent that James Franklin seemed to lay down at quarterback, it, to me, it juxtaposes a lot of what they want to accomplish. And they say they, they want the most competitive environment in college football. Well, that means jobs are on the line on a weekly basis. That, that That's kind of a what have you done for me lately. And you look at some of the gutsy moves we've seen from the elite level of college football – where Tua Tagovailoa gets inserted, inserted over a guy like Jalen Hurts and all he accomplished, or uh, where you you put in the freshman. Uh, it's hard. I hate pointing to Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa because that's not what they have right now. It's waiting kind of behind not the Sean standard Clifford for everybody else. But yeah. <laughs> those, I mean, the guys ahead of them, they weren't playing like Sean Clifford. I mean, it was like this guy's playing really well, but this guy is g- going to drive us to a national championship. Now, right now, you're 0-3, and you're saying, how, how can we just avoid losses? Um, but you know, I, I think the wait-your-turn thing maybe works when it's Saquon Barkley to Miles Sanders, and then the next running back comes up. Probably works right now with Pat Fryermuth, but I just don't think Sean Clifford, uh, you know, I, he's earned it in the way that he probably handles himself within the locker room. He's a team captain. I get all that, but has he earned it with his body of work as the starting quarterback for Penn State during those 60 minutes of game action, dating back to last September I think there's a disagreement to be had there and again that kind of reflects upon 
kind of the concerns about this quarterback room at large that there isn't somebody on the practice field forcing them to say, look, we, we know Sean's earned his place here, but this guy, we have to give this guy a look. We cannot afford not to miss out on this talent. We got to get this guy on the field. And if they had that guy, he'd be on the field, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, that's not a ringing endorsement for the quarterback room as a whole. And But but I, like I said, with three losses, I, I want to see those guys out there. I want to yeah. see, you know, a series, even if it's just a series here or there, um, you'd love to have a blowout. You'd love having an opportunity to get those guys out there. But given the, you know, the, the complete body of work that we've seen from this team so far, blowouts, obviously going to be few and far between. So um, we will see what happens with that. Uh, I think it's going to be an ongoing storyline all, all season long. And I think you, you want to see Levis in a situation where he's not being asked to run straight forward three consecutive times and gain you 12 yards on three carries to move the chains. You want to see him operate as a quarterback. And I know Will Levis wants that opportunity. James Franklin brought that up today that Levis is more than a runner. They think he can throw the ball. Well, we haven't really had a chance to see that. Ohio State last year, the second half, a little bit of a rally there. It wasn't because of his arm. Rutgers, they really did not ask him to do much with his arm. And when he did, it wasn't really a pretty picture. And to that, and since then, it's been out of sight with, with Will Levis and even more so with Taquan Roberson, who uh, I thought more so was a, a pure, you know, kind of that pure passer coming out of high school, a guy who could do some things with his legs, but you really liked what he could do behind the line of scrimmage um, during his high school career in New Jersey. So a lot to learn about those guys. You throw in Micah Bowens long term, too. And we have a lot of questions about him as a, as a, as a complete quarterback. And right now, Sean Clifford's the guy, but this is going into a matchup against Nebraska that we'll get in later where I think we're going to see multiple quarterbacks involved and I think if, if either of these teams or both of these teams sputter out of the gate you could see the number two quarterback take over at any time for either team. Uh, I mean, we'll see if, if someone starts hot. It's an 11 a.m. start time there in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. But neither of these teams have positive momentum right now. Neither of these teams, I would imagine, feel really well or good about what they have going on at quarterback. So uh, they, there's a lot of intrigue at, at the position on both sides of the field here, Sean. And um, somewhere else in the field we can look to as, as certainly a glaring issue has been the ground game for Penn State's offensive attack. It's been a lot of Sean Clifford, not much else. And James Franklin was asked about it today, and he started off, let's get the facts out of the way. Penn State lost Journey Brown right before the season. Penn State lost Noah Kane on the first offensive series of the season. Okay, so that's out of the way. What do you have going now? He keeps pointing to need to break tackles. Running backs need to break tackles. My concern here is, has, has any running back, really since the Indiana game, gotten the kind of consecutive reps or the series on on offense where they can really establish themselves and get a feel for the game. It's been sporadic. It's been a couple carries here. I don't think anyone, whether it's Devin Ford and certainly not the freshmen, have gone into double-digit carries and, and game flow has dictated that. You've been down 14-0 in the first quarter each of the past couple of weeks. But it's hard for me to judge a lot of the running backs' uh, the capabilities because I think it's such a rhythm game, especially when you're talking about guys who have never been the guy in a, in a college backfield. It's a different speed. Journey Brown, how long did we say right away this guy is 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 looks like maybe the best running back in the Big Ten? No, he got a feel for the game and he took off. Don't think we've had either any of these running backs since Kane went down really have the opportunity to get that kind of look and and get that kind of feel and. Uh, the, the part of that is to the detriment of, of Penn State and and, uh, and what they've done wrong, but also make a big run and you'll get another one, right? I mean, you got to earn that next carry, but I think that's the thing. And then offensive line, that's got issues, Sean. That, that's got issues. The, the offensive front that we have seen rolled out as starters the last three weeks, 
I don't know if that's what we'll see against Nebraska. We saw Will Fry slide into right guard. We saw C.J. Thorpe hit the sideline. We saw Caden Wallace at right tackle. We saw Juice Scruggs, as we mentioned, get in at right guard. Um, Des Holmes has been mentioned as a player that's going to see a lot of time. It's time to figure this thing out. You're one-third through the season, and it is just, I mean, it has been a pretty dire situation, particularly when we measured up against, like, we're cautiously telling you there's going to be a stride forward from the offensive line. We know that you have been burned in the past, but maybe this is it's not happening right now and and people are let down again. I think it's probably one of the more disappointing things. I we, we both thought CJ Thorpe would, you know, excel in this situation and yes. and really I mean just back to back to back weeks, it just hasn't been there and I'm not sure if that's if I'm looking for a change right now, maybe you take a, you know, t- you take Des Holmes and you throw him in there and you see if that lights a spark or does anything for you because it's just been tough to watch. And um, Will Fries has played pretty solid. Um, you know, Michael Mennett pro- hasn't been as good as I thought he was um, just in terms of, I don't know if the, if the changes are, are coming. This is one thing that Pat Fryermuth said is the, the changes in communication, they're doing it in practice, but not in a game. That's to me, that's a big red flag right there in itself. But at the same time, he says, that's on me and that's on Mennett. So Mennett's got this, you know, this uh, leadership uh, hat that he has to wear plus blocking. I mean, so there's, there's not a lot going on that's positive up front now. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Like I what said, you, I, I'd like, sorry. Go ahead. What do you make of, of Rashid Walker? He's a guy that we said, you know, look out. He puts together the kind of season we think he could. This might be a, a redshirt sophomore going to the draft. Has he been what you thought he could be here in year three in his second year as a starter at left tackle? And, and no, I mean, he's been up and down. He's phenomenally talented. He's just one of those guys that you look at and you say, okay, well, if Will Fries messes up, he's not going to have the natural ability to to catch himself. So Rasheed Walker makes those same mistakes and you, they're not as glaring because he's talented. He, you know, just he does the things. So he does some things so well. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that he's like, you know, spent the offseason reading about how great he was, but really hasn't had that sort of uh, that jump that we expected. I thought last year, you know, he was better than we expected last year because we expected these uh, runaround moments and these freshman moments and everything like that. And he comes out and he's solid and he's got that good punch. He's got a lot th- of good things going on. Um, you kind of see the same level of play right now, which, you know, if you take another year and put it on top of it, I think that's probably a little bit concerning. Um, maybe that arc is flattened out a little bit, but you just see, and I, you know, I talked to some, actually another college offensive line coach and he says, man, this kid, he's got everything. It's just, he's got to put it together. And cause you're getting elements of everything on different plays. And that's really, that's concerning. The consistency there has not been there. I think honestly, like consistency is more there with Michael Miranda than anybody else up front, um, maybe outside of Will Fries. Um, and that's, he just obviously doesn't have the physical, you know, gifts that some of those other guys have. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's been kind of a mess up front and that's been unfortunate to see. And, you know, I thought they played fairly well against Indiana and then two big steps back. And, you know, last, uh, last weekend just, uh, did, did not do anything to help their confident level, confidence level. Um, yeah, I mean, and on top of that, and I hate to bring everything back to Clifford, but it seems like just, you know, even watching the game, everything comes back to Clifford. You're giving him ample time at times, and then you're still getting sacks and you're getting the criticism for it. I, confidence is is a big issue for everyone on offense right now. It really is. And and it's not much better on the defensive side of the football, Sean. Uh, that, that's for sure. Defensively, you want to talk about confidence. I, I don't know where they're finding it right now. Um, I, I, I did a little bit of math, which is always a, a slippery slope for, for me, Sean, but Going back to the final fourth quarter possession for Indiana in the week one matchup, Penn State has surrendered 11 touchdown drives and cumulatively 
quarterbacks. That's 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 Penix. That's Tonga Vailoa. That's Fields. Fifty-four of sixty-nine passing. That's seventy-eight percent completion rate for six hundred and seventy-one yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Another one, Maryland and Ohio State combined to score six times offensively from 25 yards or beyond. I mean, this is just, this is a seventh year defensive coordinator running the show, a seventh year cornerbacks coach back there. Uh, Tim Banks in, in what year number five, I believe, at safeties coach. You had a change up front in the defensive line, prize looking at the linebackers. Personnel has shifted, but the recruiting has been there, the talent should be there, and the coaching stability has been there. And yet, those numbers I just read off, you know, Sean Clifford could be, be, could be playing lights out and you still might not win a shootout with, with the way this defense has been playing. And I think it's just, it's a bunch of ordinary and that's not really not what we've grown accustomed to. You know, even when they've had their struggles on the defensive line, you look and I was talking to another college coach that watched the Penn State game last weekend. He just said they, they don't have anybody that's going to step up and break the game open for him. And that's offensively or defensively. You obviously had Micah and then you had some supplemental guys around Micah. Well, you take Micah away. That's a big deal. You know, you're missing your big guy. And then you've got, a, you know, like a lot of guys that are complimentary pieces. I mean, I, I've said this about Devin Ford so many times and I feel that way on the defensive side of the ball. Um, James, when he talked about defense, it's so hard to pinpoint what's wrong. You know, there's no real, um, specific issue with what's wrong in the defense because it's all just kind of mediocre everywhere. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. And that sometimes it's going to be harder to diagnose what's going on there than, than, than anything else. So that's been really unfortunate. I, I still look at linebacker as a big hole. I mean, I know I like what, you know, Luketta has done at times this year. Brandon Smith has flashed at times this year. Ellis Brooks leads the team in tackles, but nobody that you're looking at is looking at that game and saying Ellis Brooks is one of your top defensive players. Um, they look slow. They look lost. And they look uh, – I think James Franklin said, we got to coach the linebackers better, got to coach the secondary better. I think those are two spots that just – I mean, I, I don't know what the fix is, but, man, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate and it's tough to watch. What does that fall on? You, you wrote after the game, you were kind of bullet pointing some big questions for Penn State coming out of that debacle against Maryland. And one of them is, uh, you led off with, where have you gone, Brent Pry? Uh, you know, and, and you look at this defense, you talk about linebacker. I believe it's eight out of the nine scholarship players at that position were considered either four star or five star prospects. And, and I know that 24 seven sports doesn't hit on all these, but the evaluations are, are pretty darn good. And, and, and broadly speaking, this is one of the more talented linebacker rooms in the Big Ten. And really at large, if you look at what guys were evaluated as prospect coming on the campus and Micah Parsons, just it's hard to quantify that loss. It would be hard to quantify that loss if he left the program like Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State as well. But to, for it to go from you got to rely on this guy to be Superman or otherwise it's not a good unit. I mean, that is unacceptable. And and, and again, Pry recruited these guys and, and, and Pry has been James Franklin's right hand man. And you just wonder where is the disconnect there? Um, and, and it's across the board right now. And then uh, there's a lot of lapses, but that unit in particular, I mean, you'd think that unit just because of the talent and because of the, the longevity of the coaching staff and, 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 you know, basically raising these guys up, probably, probably recruited them out of high school. In, in a case like Ellis Brooks, it's, he's had him under his eye for what, five, six years going back to high school. And now it's his opportunity to shine and you're not seeing that step taken forward. So is that a personnel evaluation, a personnel development? 
Is it on the coaching? It, it is a major question mark that is surfacing for Penn State right now because no one should feel bad about Penn State because they lost Micah Parsons. You should, I mean, it, it, it's it's a brutal loss, but there's a lot of programs across the country that are saying, I don't feel bad for you. Look look, look at that top recruit. Look at that top recruit. Look at that top recruit. You got plenty to work with. Yeah, man, that, I think that's an overall talent situation on your roster because, you know, when you lose, it, even flipping it over to Journey Brown, and and obviously Journey wasn't the big heralded recruit, but obviously a really good football player, even losing Journey Brown. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about these rooms uh, being able to weather the blow, and we thought, okay, you lose Journey Brown, you still got Noah Kane, you lose Noah Kane, uh, uh, that's not so good. Um, linebacker, you lose Micah Parsons. Then you kind of move three new starters in there and you're kind of like, ah, that's a, that's a big experience position. Maybe Brandon Smith can be the guy that we think he is, but you know, the, the Luketta and Brooks really not really the guys that, that, that scream that the most talented guys in that room. So I don't know what the answer is, to be honest with you, man. And, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, unfortunate to have to sit there and, and, and rationalize this to begin with, because I mean, it's just like, what do you do? Like, I, I just, I was watching that film and I'm just like throwing my hands up in the air. It's like, okay, what, I'm not sure what coverage would have been, you know, better here or what, uh, you know, stunt or something like that would have been here, but just like, not that <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's hard to quantify it like that. And I'm obviously not a football coach or anything like that, but man, it's just like, you're looking at that and thinking, where is this gone? Because even, you know, going to that Minnesota game a year ago, elite style numbers and doing it, doing it right. And, and you know, right. I don't know, flying all over the field, doing everything that they needed to do. And, you know, obviously the, the, I guess the opponents were, you know, not as great, but at the same time, you're playing not great opponents right now. And also surrendering this kind of, the kind of numbers that you're surrendering. It's just not going to do it, man. It's, it's 35 plus points allowed in, in four straight games. And, um, aside from Penix, it's been, I've said this before, it's been transfer quarterbacks getting it done against you. Brady White, uh, Tongo Vailoa, Justin Fields. It's not like these guys have spent four years in the same system. That's what the def- a lot of these defenders have done. They've, they've spent four, three, five years in this Penn State system waiting for their opportunity to step up as starters in the defense, take another step, and this has been the finished product, and you're going up against quarterbacks who've been on their campus for an abbreviated period of time. They've picked it up, and they're torching you. Different positions, different circumstances, but uh, it's one of those things here in 2020 that's difficult to wrap your head around. And on that subject, Sean, I think something that's really starting to uh, be a topic of conversation across college football, really at the national level, is our team's going to stay checked in over the course of this year. Um, and and another sign that this is not uh, normal circumstances came today during a, a phone call with Pat Fryermuth. He was asked, hey, there's been midseason opt-outs happening across the country uh, for teams that are not playing well. Are you considering maybe just moving to the exit door? Packing up your bags, getting ready to go on an NFL paycheck. Uh, you know, one thing Pat pointed to routinely was chasing a Big Ten championship, trying to get the college football playoff. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm back. Those are out the window now. And, and I'm not a believer right now that we're going to see a lot of these bowl games played. I don't think it's going to make a lot of financial sense for anyone involved to, for a lot of these bowls to be played outside of the the cluster of, of elite talent bowls. And Penn State's been involved there. That won't be the case this year. So it's a fair question. Pat said he's committed to Penn State. Um, you know, he, he wants to finish what he started here this year. And he's a two-time team captain. So there's more that goes into it than there was with a guy like Micah Parsons. But uh, this is a, it's just another reminder, Sean, that, that, to keep kids on track and, and sacrificing a lot beyond football, 
their social lives. It, COVID is, is the COVID regulations have completely changed the way you live your life. If you're a student athlete and you're a football player and to ask these guys to walk that straight and narrow as the season falls apart and the goals fade away and the motivation begins to slip and you can see it in your coach's eyes that he's dealing with something. This isn't just a Penn State issue, but it is a Penn State issue. And, and and it's something that's very slippery slope with still six games to go. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, five regular season, then that other one. I'm, I'm not sure where the bowl situation stands. In. I mean, everybody's eligible, but you're right. And I'm not sure that you get as much out of a typical bowl practice session as you you know, you would, you want to make up for any lost time possible, but at the same time, yeah. Do so. these kids want to spend another month in a bubble to go to some you know, fourth tier bowl? I mean, is that something that's really going to motivate them? I know these kids want to play football, but I mean, and I would apply that to the staff as well. I would agree. I would agree. I don't, I don't know that there's a, an answer for that right now. Hope, you know, hopefully Penn State can figure it out and, you know, have that. <laughs> available to them. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really inter- interesting to see how that falls across college football, not just with Penn State. Yeah, LSU, by the way, national champions, they're the prime example, but Penn State has begun popping up. You're starting to hear them like, is Penn State going to quit on the season? I'm curious though, if this could be a galvanizing moment for them. Again, I think Franklin, if he came to us with this information, he certainly came to his players and his coaches. Put everything on the table. Maybe everyone can talk about how they're feeling about how 2020 has gone. We heard it be about, uh, we heard it being an emotional roller coaster for these guys before they even got to the season. Now the season has started. It's been a tailspin. Maybe you put it all out there and you see what, what the results are on Saturday. Maybe it simplifies things. Maybe you got guys playing for each other a little bit more, playing for the coaches a little bit more. I don't know, but there's also a team in Lincoln there that you can make the same case for that. They had a game canceled because of COVID. They have, their university has been probably the biggest dissident against the Big Ten over the entire course of action of canceling the season and coming back. So there's a lot of those kind of emotions on both sides and you could see two teams come out and look like crap on Saturday, or you could see two teams come out ready to fight, ready to brawl. By the way, it's going to be 11 a.m. there, so that's factoring it in as well. Um, I just have no idea what to expect. And we did get Jets-Patriots last night. It turned out to be a pretty close game. No, I don't know if I call it a great game, but a uh, close game at least. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what uh, what to expect really. Maybe take a closer look. I think the quarterback run is going to be a big part and maybe that plays into what we heard about Will Levis today. So it's hard to say where that goes and it's uh, somebody's got to write the ship uh, or at least, you know, get it, get it above water. So we will see what happens with that. After the break, we're going to come back with 24-7 Sports Brian Doan to talk a little bit about recruiting. We talked 2021. We haven't had Doan on for a while, so we're going to talk 2020 21 going to talk uh about anything happening no i'm nothing nothing nah we're going to talk 2021 2022 um you know where he was at this weekend in virginia there's a lot uh, a lot to talk about he was on for a while gave us quite a bit of time so we thank him for that we're going to hit that on the other side of the break thanks for listening to the lions 24 7 podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey now we welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast, one of our favorite guests, possibly our favorite guest, uh, Brian Doan of 24-7 Sports, uh, national analyst on the recruiting team, obviously a familiar face around Lions 24-7. Doan, it's been a while, but welcome back. Listen, I'm just going to say this. 
if I may be your favorite guest or one of the favorites, you need an entirely new guest list, and I feel bad for your listeners. No arguments here. Anyway, <laughs> you're here. You're here to cover Penn State recruiting as you do so well on 24/7 Sports and with Lions 24/7. Uh, it's been a bit of a rough go. No, uh, no, really sugarcoating it, especially for the 2021 class. I think since we've had you last on, I'd say it's probably a good bet that they've picked up just one commitment, Khalil Dinkins. Why don't we start there? Dinkins is a kid that you've had your eye on for a while now you know the bloodline you know the you know the senior tape and everything like that uh he's a guy that you really like a lot yeah he, he is a guy I like a lot and he was a guy that when he came up in the spring and we were talking about rankings um you know the feeling is he would probably probably has a higher ceiling as a linebacker he wants to play tight end his dad played tight end in the nfl darnell who was you know very active in his recruitment still um and so it was just like, okay, let's make sure he checks out physically. And you liked everything on tape, but it was, if we could rate him as a linebacker, he, we'd probably jump him a little higher, but him and his dad are adamant about playing tight end, which is fine. Cause I, I think he could be a wonderful tight end. He creates mismatches on the outside. Um, you know, like pretty much any kid in high school, he, he's got to get better and blocking a lot better. It's not like they're asking him to do a ton of that at North Allegheny, but you know, you, you look at his skill set, his ball skills, he runs well, he runs good routes. He tracks the ball. Well, Penn state has a really good tradition of tight ends, right? If you go back X number of years and I, I, my feeling is because Khalil does not like to do a lot of interviews and his dad had told me he'll call me back right after the commitment. So we're still waiting on that, but you know, he, he's a kid that there's not a lot of excitement that goes on with it because there weren't a lot of stories with it. And it was really kind of really out of, sight, out of mind. So, yeah. yeah. And so from that standpoint, maybe people aren't excited by it, but for me, I mean, I think I think he's a great player. And, I mean, Penn State fans in two years will be absolutely thrilled that they got this guy. And there'll be those discussions on the message board about, geez, I didn't realize he was this good. How come more wasn't made through recruiting with him? Sounds like you're talking about Lonnie White is another guy that you just <laughs> checked out. Um, and you know, that kid now, hey, I mean, Lions 247 folks, get ready. He's, he should be making a pretty good jump in the rankings. Yeah, I agree with that. You went on, you went out and saw him play uh, earlier this fall. I know you've been all over the place in terms of watching games and being turned away from games and things like that. <laughs> but Lonnie White, uh, obviously, he's a guy that's, that caught your eye this fall. Oh, hey, I loved him. So so you go in there, and, and I always find it funny because I know when he committed, he had played quarterback, and people were like, geez, I wonder how he'll transition to receiver. Probably pretty good because he played it as a sophomore. Um, so it was familiar with him. And so it's his first game back at receiver that I went able to see him play, and he's just so elusive. He's got great ball skills, and he's one of those guys that just – when he moves, it doesn't seem like there's much effort, but he just glides because it's so free and easy and natural. Uh, but, you know, the team I saw him play against was from Delaware. They played off of him. They would just throw like a, a quick out to him or, or a quick little hitch. He'd catch it and then, you know, juke three guys and get down the field. But there was one play where he made a catch in the corner of the end zone, you know, front corner safety was coming over. It was right behind the cornerback and he had to get his feet in. He had to locate the ball and it was going to be the last play of the half because it was straight off a turnover. And 
he didn't get hit. He was able to catch the ball, tuck his body away, get in bounds. And it was just really nice body control, ball tracking, athleticism, uh, field awareness. There was just so many things that went into that one play. And it wasn't like, oh my goodness, did you see that play? It was just like, yeah, I expect him to make that play. That, that's how talented he is. I noticed you didn't drop catch radius there. Catch radius. Oh goodness me. Let's come up with let's come up with some more phrases to make it sound like we know what we're talking about instead of just saying what's going on. We could do that. It would be more fun than discussing 2021 Penn State recruiting Derek. <laughs> Derek we just Davis. did. It was yeah. great. <laughs> Derek Davis to LSU, another just absolute gut shot to Penn State this weekend. Uh this is one that we, you know, thought was leaning there for a long time. I guess on the on the the specificity of of Derek Davis. I mean, what did you see from that uh, that recruitment toward the end? And then just bigger as a whole. I mean, we've had this discussion. You and I talk multiple times every day. We're just always trying to figure out this discussion with what's going on in 2021. And as we stand in November of uh, you know just about a month, uh, five weeks from signing day, what's going on? And where I guess where do you see Penn State right now? Um, listen, they, they are scuffling a bit in the 21 class and so everybody wants to talk about how it's the demise of Penn State and they can't recruit anymore and I mean listen they were struggling a little bit before they went 0-3 so don't start telling me it's because they're not winning right so it's not that it's just it's the way the cycle's running and we've talked about it I mean I, I talked to a couple parents and a couple high school coaches just about Penn State and, and recruiting and, and this is in the last week that I spoke to them and they said listen Penn State does a great job they're really regimented in how they do it um you know, and they have their system and that system. And I've said it time and again, um, and I'm sure it'll come up in the next time I do a chat on your site and the next three times I do a chat, but it's quite simple. The biggest selling point Penn state has out, you know, you have the education you have that there's going to be a hundred thousand people in the stands is when those kids get to campus, the coaches love them up like nowhere else. They make them feel great. And part of the family in that environment and the community at Penn state outside of football on the campus and around the town is unmatched. And so now you are taking away one of the largest factors involved in this cycle. And you're saying, okay, Penn state go recruit. And it makes it more difficult. So, you know, and it goes on to, you don't have, you know, you, you've changed coaches. And so these kids haven't really seen these coaches yet. And so building a relationship is tough. Now the Derek Davis thing, that one's a tough one to swallow because Derek Davis has known Terry Smith for a really long time. Terry was the head coach at gateway. Um, who's now, you know, one of the secondary coaches at Penn state and, and was responsible for the recruitment. And it looked really good for Penn state up until about 10 days ago. And, you know, listen, LSU just won a national championship and I know they're struggling, but, you know, part of it is because of how many guys opted out and, and, you know, things like that. But for whatever reason, they didn't get them on board. I don't think they're going to stop recruiting. I think that's going to continue until signing day. Um, And as long as Derek is receptive to talking to Terry Smith and Penn State, I I think Penn State will be in, in the discussion there. But yeah, it's I mean. Look, they didn't get Nolan Rucci, and his brother plays at Wisconsin. You understand that? You didn't get Derek Davis, and he's going to play at LSU. And, you know, his mom really likes the 
feel that they got when they were down there, not only of campus, but Baton Rouge, things like this happen. I mean, Ohio State's not getting every kid they want. Bama doesn't get every kid they want. They just lost a kid to LSU themselves. So these things happen. Um, and people don't like to hear it, but sometimes, you know, you got to roll with it a little bit in recruiting. I would be concerned if they weren't doing really well in the 22 class. They're doing well in the 22 class and having talked to some 23s that have offers that really are high on Penn State. I think this is more like a blip. And I know people don't want to hear it. And geez, you know, they're going to go off on, you know, is Franklin the guy and all that stuff. I mean, come on now. James Franklin was a fourth down call away from beating Ohio State. And you can talk about that call. And I don't want to rehash all that other stuff, but my goodness. You don't I mean, wanna... <laughs> let's 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 be honest. I mean, James Franklin knows what he's doing. Well, I was going to get into 2022, but looking real quick one more time with 2021, if you look at this case study, I mean, would you just say, you know, schools have had to adapt and that's been a, sort of a common theme for everybody, you know, during the pandemic, but schools have had to adapt. And I, you know, personally, it, it seems like they've, they've struggled doing that. And I know you don't have the visits, but you got to figure out a different way. And is that really kind of where you think they've come up short in all this? Um, let's just put, I, I don't ever want to say they came up short. What, what I'd say is what, what they're doing isn't working to the way they wanted it to work. Um, you know, they, they've tried some things as far as virtual visits and getting all the coaches on, but how do you replicate the experience? I mean, you know, you, you want me to show you some videos about how great Disney world is, and then you're going to have the same experience as if you went. Um, and I'm not saying Penn State's Disney World or any of that. I'm just saying you can't replicate the feeling that you get. It is the top thing you get is the feel of being on campus. And if you take that out of the equation, I don't know what you can do to make somebody experience that. Um, it's why we don't live life virtually. Um, life, you know, you don't go on a virtual vacation. You, you go, you go places, and that is really they have, it's hurt them and there's no way around it. And everybody wants to explain a way why it should be better or how they can overcome it and all that other stuff. I mean, what if the answer is you can't, I mean, you always have to keep trying, but what is, what if the answer is you cannot overcome not getting kids to campus? Well, then you're going to want to have visits come back into play as soon as possible. And obviously that's not <laughs> yes. happening before signing day. And we'll see about the new year. Um, you know, can't, can't say that that's looking great either, but it's, it's weird because as you mentioned earlier, that 2022 class has started off so well and it seems, you know, and I know things are a long way in the future in terms of signing that class and everything like that, but it seems like it's come together fairly organically and, you know, just, it seems like a fairly solid group of kids. No, without question, it's a really good group of kids, right? Um, so you look at it and you say, okay, so you got, what is it, the three kids from central Pennsylvania? And if I'm offending the people from Pennsylvania by calling Harrisburg central, then I apologize. But I live in New Jersey, so what do you expect from me? But you have them, you have Ken Talley in Philadelphia, and he has, you know, they've all been to campus. They know what it's about. They've grown up with Penn State, and so they understand that aspect of it. Um, and it's really earlier in the recruitment where they have not gone to a bunch of other places. And then you have the kids from out of the area who do not have the traditional game day experiences of visiting other schools either. And so you've kind of 
you know, even the playing field a little bit from that aspect because those kids have not been able to get out and experience a lot of visits to where they're the central figures in recruiting when they're on the campus of those schools to meet with the coaches and everything. And so um, if, if visits open up, yeah, I, I think any 22, you know, no matter where they are in the country are going to be like, even if they're committed, hmm, I, I may want to go check out this place. Um, so, so I think, that's how I look at it and, ex- and say, why are they doing so well? Because for the 22s, this is the norm. For the 21s, they had been a lot of places already. Yeah. And by the way, if I ever say anything about Jersey uh, geography, you just put Drew Shelton in Downingtown West in Central PA. So I think we're kind of even on that <laughs> one. Um, but no, I mean, <laughs> that you, is good. <laughs> you look at this, and, and I don't think we've had you on since Drew Shelton committed. Um, you know, Anthony the, the, Ivey. The, the central PA offensive lineman, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, following in Nate Bruce's footsteps. Yeah. Um, no, but they recently got uh, Drew Shelton, Anthony Ivy. Of course, you've watched Bo Provula quite a bit uh, this year um, with his playoff run and everything like that. What have you seen from these 2022 commits from a from an analyst perspective, from a taking a look at their you know ratings and and seeing if they're if they're in the right spot? What have you seen from this group as a whole? Yeah, um, I I like their I like their individual skills. I like that they are kids that are active in recruiting others. I mean, so we'll take Drew Shelton, who I think is an offensive lineman who is really good now and has a really high ceiling. And you look at what Phil Troutwine likes in guys long, um, you know, not the kids that are 300 pounds in high school where they can kind of build, not kind of, but they can build them up physically strength standpoint. Uh, he, he does sink his hips really well. I mean, you see where he's rated. He's a top two, four, seven kid. I mean, we love Drew Shell. And I remember talking to Steve Wilfong about, you know, the kind of player he was and, and both of us just look at him and go like, if Penn state needs to take that next step as an offensive line, he's a really good piece to have. You look at Bo Prabula, who, you know, listen, he's never going to have, the John Elway arm strength, right? But what he is, is he's a guy that can get the ball down the field. He can make some yards with his feet, even though we know Kirk Shiraka doesn't want to run him 18 times a game like in the past, which we've talked about too, is kind of had some quarterbacks shy away from Penn State under the, the previous offensive coordinator. But so you have that, but Prabula is a smart kid. Um, you know, I have a connection to the coach out there at that school and from what I've heard over the weekend because I checked in with somebody was that the kid is smart. He understands offenses and he works really hard and he may not be the big flashy quarterback, but he has an ability to make certain plays. And then you look at the number of points they're putting up and I, I get it. They're, they're not playing great competition, but they're still doing what they're supposed to do to the competition. And then you look at Anthony Ivy, who, you know, Fitz, you, you, you and I talk a lot about reading the room and I was putting something together about how well he would fit into the Penn State offense when you're looking at him, you know, as a receiver. Is he more Jahan Dotson? Is he more KJ Hamler? And what he brings, he's a guy that will catch the ball down the field more. He's not a guy who's going to take like the eight yarder and go, which he can do that, right? That He can do that. But if you watch what he does at the high school level, it is more getting behind the DB um, and just being able to stretch the field from that standpoint. And again, I mean, you look and see where we have him rated too. Uh, another top two, four, seven kid, you know, he's in the what 
top 125. I mean, those are, those are the kids they need to get in Pennsylvania. And, you know, listen, you have to take care of Pennsylvania. I think when you go back and you look at it, I read some stuff from James Franklin about, you know, him needing to do more in games or, you know, just, you know, be better. But yeah, they, they have to be better than they were in 21 in the state of Pennsylvania. And, and I think you're saying that they're, they're well on their way to that in the 22 class. Don, slightly moving on from that, uh, you know, you've seen Penn State jump out to an 0-3 start. Obviously, it's it's not been pretty, as, you know, anybody listening to this podcast knows. I, I, not I, I, I didn't know that from reading your board game days. I, yeah. I didn't know that. You wouldn't think, but uh, a bunch of sunshine over there. Uh, no, but uh, you you also kind of covered an event for the first time in a long time, got to talk to some prospects, which is nice to get get around those guys, see some, some body language, get some inflection in the voices and everything like that. Um, but it still seems Penn State, you know, seems to be on the radar for, with a bunch of those guys. And you were in Virginia uh, for this uh, Nike camp. They're obviously not playing in Virginia, North Carolina uh, this year. But I mean, what, uh, what what do you think is the buzz right now on, on Penn State on the trail? Yeah, I, I think it's exactly what the non-fan thinks. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, look, you're a fan for a reason. You live and die with that team. You love it. You're emotionally invested in it. And that's how you should react. But these kids are looking at it more as a business situation. And, you know, whether it's George Petaway, the top 247 running back, or Ramon Brown, the top 247 running back, or Bo Atkinson, who's a DN out of North Carolina, who has a Penn State offer, Alex Birchmeyer, the 23 offensive lineman who has Penn State really high on his list. I mean, I, I can go down the list. And they all love Penn State. They're all talking about Penn State and and not just, you know, how much interest they have and how much they're connecting with the coaching staff. But they're like, yeah, the 0-3 start is no big deal. It happens. They're going to bounce back. They have too much talent, you know, to to not bounce back. And there there is no concern from talking to these kids. And look, I've been through this before with, with teams that have struggled. And you kind of get an idea, especially like you mentioned, the body language and the voice inflection when kids are not feeling a program because of on-field results. And I mean, people know me by now. I'm pretty honest about stuff. So if it was anything else, either A, we wouldn't be broaching it on this podcast or B, I would tell you. And I, I got no sense that any of these kids are sitting there going, well, geez, I'm not going to look at Penn State because they're 0-3. I mean, you know, you get the typical with Petaway. He loves Bama also. And, you know, it's going to be a fight there because Bama is in the playoff all the time. And and I, and you get that. But but that would have happened if Penn State was 3-0 and also. So I, I don't see it as any concern. I, I think wins and losses uh, in recruiting, especially, you know, in – when it's later in somebody's career and maybe their job's on the line, then the wins really matter. But for the most part, I mean, what do you think? LSU is struggling because they're one and whatever or two and whatever this year. I mean, it, it happens. You, you have bad seasons. 
Yes, uh, that's not something that they've seen uh, at Penn State the last couple of years. It's been fairly consistent, I guess. Uh, so, so what do you got to do right now? Um, you know, obviously try and stay the course uh, with your commits in the 2021 class, maybe finish that off. I mean, a couple of guys that you've covered, uh, like George Rooks has been a guy that's been sort of firmly in the crosshairs for a while, even though he's pretty quiet. What, I guess, what are you hearing on George Rooks and, <laughs> and where do you think uh, we can turn this conversation into, the, into, into that direction? Hey, hey, hey. Uh, what am I hearing on George Rooks? Pretty much the same. Um, Penn State, Michigan, he's not really ready to make a decision. Virginia Tech has really tried to make a move on him. You know, his situation, it's funny, later in the week, I'm, I'm slated to talk to a few people about him and what's going on because they had their game last Saturday shut down because somebody on their team tested positive. And so they're shut down until I think there's a chance they can play November 20th. Um, but it gives them some time to really look and decide on things. But he doesn't want to deal with recruiting during the season. He made that clear. And I, I think if he had to do it again, he probably wouldn't have said that he was going to commit before the season because it was kind of forced. So he's just going to wait and see what goes on. And um, he, he really is in no hurry. That said, if if in 10 minutes I got a phone call saying, hey, he's committing tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, makes sense because you can't really go visit places. But he's content to wait and, and see. And I understand from a defensive line standpoint, there's not a lot of those guys left out there. So, you know, you kind of just sit and wait and, and he can sit and wait and see if maybe there's another school that he wants to come knock and does. Who knows about that? So, you know, but for me right now, there, there's not much new. Anything you're looking at in 2022 regarding Penn State right now? Um, you know, no. I, I mean, I, my focus is more on will they will they move on Robert Jackson at Archbishop Wood? Would they, you know, can they revisit anyone who they had recruited pretty hard earlier in the process and and you know, kind of slowed on them a little bit or turned around and go back on somebody committed somewhere else and try to make a push there. Just stuff like that. In the 22 class, I mean, you're always focused on Makai Flowers because um, if people don't remember what Rakim Jared's Twitter game was like when he was going through the process, well, just check out Makai Flowers because he's a fun one. He's one of those guys on Twitter that, you know, he's just enjoyable because he, he just you know, he can get people riled up in a heartbeat. He was going to do a top 10 for his birthday earlier this month. He didn't. If he turned around and announced the commitment next week, I wouldn't be surprised if he turned around and said, I'm not signing until February of 2022. I wouldn't be surprised there either. Yeah. That's one of those ones where you just keep a document open on your, on your computer with <laughs> all his stats and everything, just in case, you know, um, but yeah. Don't. I think that's probably about it for us. Uh, we really appreciate the candid conversation. Obviously, uh, you know this is a uh, a trying time for those trying to follow the program, but it's always good to get some insight from the outside on uh, on, on recruiting. And, and I know you follow it as closely as anybody, and and you're well respected on our site at Lions twenty four seven. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I guess we'll catch up with you what in four months, five months, whatever the layoff time was uh, for this last one. <laughs> no, I'm hoping they have a commitment before then, and things start picking up for them. And hey, folks, just relax man you, one, you and me one both, year <laughs> i was gonna say what one year does not does not it happens man and i know you're not used to it at penn state and i get that but you know james franklin has done some great great things there too all right well thank you for coming on and, and we'll catch you next time you got it